0: Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and we declare as a community, as a congregation, that you are our hope, and that you have brought hope into this world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as we look to you together, as, we, as we're gathered in your presence, we thank you that Jesus has come, that Jesus came as a baby in a manger, and that he's coming back as a conquering king. And we have bowed our knee and we have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior to the glory of you, God the Father. We thank you this morning, declaring that you're our hope. And as we open your word, we also ask you to bring us hope today, wherever we are and whatever we're walking through. And we are confident, Lord, we are assured that you will do that very thing that we are asking. Would you change us? Would you equip us? Would you encourage us today as we open your word? And we thank you, Lord, that. As the word is preached, I pray that that which is of you would stick to our hearts. It would remain, convict us. But I pray what is of me would just fade into the background. Use this time for your glorious purposes, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. We are in a sermon series you may know if you've been, been around for the last several weeks called The sermon series is called Questions That Matter, and I I have just a few more messages that I want to share with you, and just so you know where the teaching is going to be going, I plan on stepping, after Christmas, I plan on stepping into a series called Hearing the Voice of God, or Hearing God's Voice, or something like that. It's not really important. We're just going to talk about hearing the voice of God, and I want to bring some clarity to that. It's something that the Lord has been teaching me for some time. I'm not a guru on that. I don't know everything that there is. I've written a few books, and all that really means is uh, I still got a lot to learn. (laughs) It's like sometimes you write a book, and people think you know a lot about an issue, and you realize that, no, I I wrote a book because I studied this because I wanted to know for myself, and so I'm going to bring you the best of what I have on that, and then we're hopefully going to go through the book of Jonah, and uh, I'm preparing also to preach through the book of Mark. We are going to do some books of the Bible and, uh, and the Holy Spirit will lead us. But that is, my, that is my plan. But a few more messages in our series called Questions That Matter. And what we're looking at is some of the important questions that Jesus asked people. And if, you haven't, if you've missed some of those messages, you can always download our app. All the sermons are there. You can go to our website, and we have them on our podcast. Or you can always go into the bookstore and see Miss Susan, who's definitely going to be there standing right next to the Dr. Steve Shell Library which I did get by the way and already downloaded into my iPhone my plan is to have it all listened to by the end of the year 2020 <laughs> 2020 2020 people 2020 Pastor Steve is so incredible. I, I've actually been listening to the messages via our podcast, and the, the more messages that I listen to, the more I can understand and appreciate how much everyone here who's been pastored and led by Steve and Mary have, have loved him. And the gift that God has put inside Pastor Steve, it's, it's incredible. I, I hesitate. I've got some, I'm getting some of the mannerisms down. But I, I won't do that, because I know he'll watch. I know he'll watch. Pastor Steve, I know you'll watch. And, and uh, I just want to honor, but I really, really respect and have enjoyed learning from and listening to Pastor Steve, which it, it's helped me to me to honor what God has done here and what he's still doing. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. My message is entitled today, What Do You Want?, from the words of Jesus, what do you want? Or maybe it could be said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Mark chapter 10, verse 46, I'll read right now. It says this, Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. You might remember last week when we talked about the 10 lepers. This was the same thing that they said. Some of these stories will surely overlap. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. He sang a little louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him here. So the They called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up, he is calling you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up, and he came to Jesus, and answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? That's the echo that I want to go out today. What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And I've told you this before about This statement, Jesus is not just saying, go, you've been healed. This word is fuller, it's more complete. Go, your faith has saved you, it could be translated. Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately, he regained his sight, and he began following him on the road. Don't you love that? He was healed, and he got up, and he started following Jesus. Now, that is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to touch our lives, and as a result of that, we follow him. This is so powerful some of the context, you may remember last week, I talked about Luke chapter 9, verse 52, where it specifically says that the days of Jesus' ascension were approaching, and he was determined to go to Jerusalem, and we're really still in that couple-month journey that Jesus began in Luke 9 that he's still on. We, we talked about how he was between Galilee and Samaria. Last week, and that was where he was at in this trek to Jerusalem. Well, now he's in Jericho, which is just 18 miles north of Jerusalem. He's much closer to his end goal, which is to be in Jerusalem, where he will give his life as a sacrifice, this being his final trek to Jerusalem in his three-year ministry. Prior to this account, we know that Jesus has healed many people, including blindness, So we can understand that Bartimaeus was fully expecting when he cried out that Jesus not only could but would heal him of blindness. He had heard that testimony before. And this is so vital because as he cries out, his hope is placed fully and completely in the miracle worker, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the ancient world, blindness was actually fairly common. Some people were born blind, others would Somehow acquire blindness through infection, and there really was no medical cure. Medicine was extremely primitive, and so they had many types of uh, magic (laughs) that did not cure people, especially of blindness. And so, to imagine when you think about this story, you have to remember there's no cure for what this man has, there's nothing that can be done. He is blind. Nobody can cure him. So he hears that there is one that can cure him. And it helps us to understand the story. But blindness was so common that there were provisions written into the law to protect those that were blind. It's important for us to realize that the law would actually protect those who, who were blind. This was an issue that they, they dealt with. It's very common. And it's interesting also that the Bible uses the term blindness as a metaphor, For several different things, in fact, I looked up many passages and you'll see the term blindness isn't just used for some physical condition, it's used to be a metaphor for spiritual dullness or hard-heartedness, apathy, and also for pride. There are many passages that refer to these kinds of things, I'll just give you a few. The prophet Isaiah accused the prophets of his day of spiritual blindness and that they were leading people astray. This is what the prophet Isaiah would say more than once. Jesus actually referred to the religious leaders as blind guides who were leading the blind. And he's talking to them about you adhere to the law and you have no love, you have no compassion, you have no understanding. They're not loving God and loving people as Jesus would tell them many times. Jesus also referred to those that do not believe in him as blind because they persist in darkness. When Jesus would say, you persist in darkness or you walk in darkness, he was saying, you're blind. It's another way of saying that. And you might remember the apostle Peter spoke of Christians in 2 Peter chapter 1. He basically said in that passage where he says, add this to your faith and add this to your faith and add brotherly love. You might remember that passage. Well, at the end of all of those things that you add to your faith, he says that those who forget these things, those who are not Growing; those who are not increasing in their discipleship in the way that he just described, they are blind and they have forgotten what Jesus has done for them. They're blind and they've forgotten what Jesus has done for them. The apostle John many times talks about Christians, Christ followers. He says, those who do not love people walk in darkness, which is another way of saying that we're blind. Not walking in love means we're walking in darkness. And we'll also remember In the book of Revelation where Jesus actually rebuked his church, the church of Laodicea, for being blind of their real condition before before God. He would say to them, you know, you have a reputation of being alive, but you do not know that you are poor, naked, and blind. You do not know. You are not aware of your real condition condition before God and then he talks to them about buying gold refined in the fire putting eye salve he's really talking about how he is the cure he's the cure for all that they are facing struggling with their spiritual blindness spiritual blindness can be a reality in our life now I don't know that any among us are blind if you are you face that if you're if you're listening today you face this physical condition but we can become spiritually blind can't we we see this in the scripture again and again and it's used as a metaphor quite often actually and that's what I wanna do. I wanna use the story of blind Bartimaeus to help us understand where maybe we can be blind and if Jesus were to stand before us and he were to say, what do you want me to do for you? What would be our answer? What would be the thing that was at the, at the tip of our tongue, the top of our mind that we would, it would come right out of us when Jesus the Christ stands in front of us and says, What do you want me to do for you? What would come out of your mouth? What's your your blindness? Let me share with you a few observational points. And yes, I'm going into four of them today. Four of them. Don't jump out of your seat. I might mix it up once in a while. I'm just happy that I didn't light the wrong candle. Or somehow push the candle over. I'm still a little nervous that there's a fire on the stage. (laughs) I've had a house fire before. It happens. It's like driving with someone that's been in a car accident, like me, and almost lost their life twice in a car. That has happened to me. So if I was in the passenger seat and you were driving said car, and I I do this, it's not the holy ghost, you know. (laughs) It's that I am nervous about your driving. Safety is a must. So it's just a reaction. Four points is what I was trying to say. And the first one is this. We look at Bartimaeus as an example in this passage today. He was aware of his condition. He was aware of his condition. Obviously, he was aware of his blindness. He knew his limitations, a very real physical condition. Bartimaeus lived in his blind reality every day. He relied on others to provide for him. He relied on others to help him, to guide him where he needed to go. He was a man that knew he needed other people to help him in life. He was very, very aware of his condition. But let me ask us a question today. Are we aware of our condition? Are we aware of the blindness that we have? Look at your spouse and say, no, don't say anything, actually. (laughs) Look at them and say, not the time. And if you're not married, don't worry about it. If Jesus asked you, what do you want me to do for you, what would you ask him? Sometimes we find ourselves in groups of prayer. I think you know what I'm saying. When we'll have groups of prayer, maybe you're in a life group or maybe it's a Bible study that you were a part of. It could even be during our prayer weekend. I don't think we ask each other this question then, but you've been in a circle of prayer when people will ask you, what do you you want prayer for? And so often we say, I, 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 I don't know, just uh, Pentecostals will say, well, just pray as the Spirit leads. You know, just pray as the Spirit leads you. That's, that's, that's really what I say, you know. So sometimes it's a cop-out. Now, there are times when you're in a prayer group and you can't get so vulnerable with the people that are in front of you. So that's very, very fair. But so often maybe it is that we're not aware of what it is that we need Jesus to do in our life. And so our answer is, I don't know. I've told you this before, but one of the pastors early on, when I was a youth pastor, he was he was our senior leader and he would say to me, Ben, what what is God saying to you right now? And if I ever said I don't know, he would always say, Well, that's a bad answer. And <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> what he was trying to say was you can hear the voice of God and he is always speaking to you and he is always at work in your life. What is God doing in you right now? What is God speaking to your life right now? What is the word of God speaking to your heart right now? And he wanted a good answer. He wanted his youth pastor to tell him that I was spending time with God and I was aware of what Jesus was doing in my own life so that I could be a competent and capable minister to the people that God had given me influence with. He wanted me to know what was going on in my own heart? We can't, we can't afford to remain in our blindness right now. We cannot afford. Nobody wants to go five, six, seven, eight years and, and not change and grow and develop into the disciple and the Christ follower that he's called us to be. What do you want Jesus to do? Are you aware of it this morning? Psalm 139 verse 23. This is a prayer that I pray. This is a prayer that I prayed this morning. And this is a prayer that I'm offering to you straight out of the scriptures in the Amplified Bible. This is what the psalmist says. He says, search me thoroughly. Don't you love that? Amplified. Search me thoroughly in a detailed way. He's talking to God. Oh God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, would you search me? And see if there is anything in me that grieves your Holy Spirit. If there is anything in me that misrepresents you. Is there anything? Just a little bit. Something. It could be anything. Search me thoroughly. Is this a prayer that you pray? This is a prayer that we ought to pray. Especially where maybe we don't know what God is doing in our heart right now. We might be actually blind to our own blindness. That works. And so if we are, we ask the Holy Spirit to show us what is it that you want to do in me right now. You might have heard it said or preached before that God wants to do through you what he's also done in you. Well, if that's the case, how deep are we allowing him to go in our own lives? Because if we let him go deep, we will then be that minister. We will be the tool that is useful in the hands of the master for every good work. I want to be a person that God can use, but I know the restrictions that I place on his work and ministry through my life really is the restrictions that I place on what he can do in my life. How deep can God go in our our hearts? Are we aware of what it is that God is doing in us right now? Are we aware of our, our blindness? See, what we know from Bartimaeus is he was very aware. He was very aware. When Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you, he knew exactly what he wanted Jesus to do. I want to regain my sight. I want to see. Well, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, relationally speaking, what is it that you and I need him to do? What's our, what's our response? What's our reaction? Sometimes, I mean, I've, you know this if you've been around here for the last several months. As Bridget and I and our family, we, we moved here. We were up in Mill Creek and all of the transition happened, you know, you you get real comfortable when you're at a place for many years, okay? We're all in transition right now as a church for sure, and, and the experts say that's going to be about two to three years. Let me encourage you. <laughs> Some of you are new. We've had many of, of you who are new that have joined us in the last four months, and, and you're hearing that we've been going through transition, and, and And we are, but there's a lot of newness going on. And so there's a lot of newness in in my own life. And what I've recognized is that I may not always be the spiritual man that I thought I might have been. And moving has a way of bringing out of you who you really are. (laughs) Have you ever moved? All right, I moved twice in four months. I had double the anointing. (laughs) (laughs) I should say double the annoying is what I was. (laughs) Double the annoying. Anyways, there were moments where I had to repent to my whole family. I'm just being straight with you here. I won't say exactly what I had to say, but you understand when you're at a place for a long period of time, you get into routines, you know how to do life. But when life throws you a curveball, when something happens outside of your expectations, outside of your routine, all of a sudden what comes out of you might not be that niceness, that loveliness, that beautifulness that you thought you had. And it's in those moments that God will help us to open our eyes and see, oh, Oh, there's a lot of change that you need. And we can sometimes compensate by saying, well, you know, I'm not really an angry person. Well, why were you yelling at your family then? (laughs) Well, that was just, and we blame it on circumstances. No, 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 no. Circumstances. This is what Jesus said. He talked about the storms. The storms of life reveal what we're built on. They reveal where we really are. And we can't just blame our circumstances like, oh, that's just a one-off thing. No, that's just something in your heart that needs to invite Jesus into the midst of it. Wouldn't you agree with that? But see, if we just blame it and, we, and we're staying in our blindness, we are staying in our blindness when we manifest behavior that is opposite of Jesus Christ and we act like it's just a circumstance. No, no, no. Jesus wants us to give him those places and spaces in our life. He wants us to become aware of our need for him. And when we do that, he will change us. But other than that, we, if we don't do that, we will stay blind. We'll walk around not seeing and wonder why when we bump into stuff, other people don't like it. They don't like it because they can see that we're blind. Go ahead and ask somebody that knows you. Hey, is there something that I do or say that offends you? You should do this in marriage. If you're married, you should do this. If you're not married, you should do this with a friend. You don't have to be married. You can be single. It God's an equal opportunity transformational agent in our lives, okay, and we're all in change, but if you're married, you know, you have 24-hour accountability, so you can just go ahead and ask your accountability partner, what am I doing, what do I do that offends you? Ask someone this question, do you regular, I call it regular maintenance, and I do ask my wife, and I dread asking her, is there something that I do? But you got to give somebody a little bit of time, too, for them to answer that. It's like you'll be at dinner and say, is there anything that I do that kind of messes with you? And, and you give them like two seconds. Oh, great. Awesome. This is a wonderful dinner tonight. This is great. Don't you like th- I love this. I'm so glad that there's nothing that I do that offends you. I, I, I mean, I knew that, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of time <laughs> to tell me, yeah, this is wonderful. Sweet potato fries. I mean, they're amazing here. Dukes. Yeah. Staying blind. That's all we're doing. We're, stay, we're staying blind. You know, on, in the beginning of the year, here's something that I do and I would recommend to you. Every year, I fast. Um, we're going to do 40 days of prayer and fasting, but I fast for a week just just to give that time to God on behalf of the congregation. And and now I'm going to do the same thing with Northwest Church, even though I have transitioned from another church. But for the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years, I would go away for a week and, and just fast. We don't, eat um, we just eat dinner together me and a couple other pastors and we would just worship and pray and seek God and listen to him what are you saying to us what do you want us to be responsible for where did we miss it that kind of a thing and just just to be responsible before God for what he's given us to steward the ministry and um, the first day I always do personal evaluation and I mean it started out real shallow the, f- the first year I did it, my personal evaluation was real shallow. It was like, well, I, I want to get a little better at this this year. I'm not doing such a great job here. Now it's like six pages long every year. And the first thing I do is I look at last year, all of the things that I wrote out that God spoke to me about, what he wanted to do, where I failed, all of that stuff. It's not very encouraging day. It's just not and, and and I'm not like down in the dumps, you know i don't feel shame, I just feel like okay there's some I dropped the ball this year, there are things that I did not fulfill that the Lord told me about, but I do a full reflection i'm talking a full day, ladies and gentlemen, so this is not just a quick fifteen minutes, and then what I do is I write out those things that the Lord spoke to me about that I fulfilled, that I did walk out, that I celebrate with, with the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you helped me to do this. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke to me. You gave me the grace to walk out what you spoke to me about. I'm so grateful. And then, and then I write out the things that I did not do. And I continue to do that. Five, six pages later, I finally, it's like, your fasting's done. Let's go eat dinner. Oh my gosh, Lord, help me. I'm a wretch. That's how it works. But you know what it does every year for me? Is it helps me to calibrate and come into alignment with God's work in my own life so that I can stand before the people of God and say, I'm doing and I'm attempting to do what I'm preaching to you as well. And I think it's really important that we do take time and we reflect and we ask the Lord and we ask people in our life. Because why? We want to come out of our blindness and become aware of our condition. What is it that the Lord is doing in our lives. Number two, Bartimaeus was aware of Jesus' ability to help him in his condition. He heard of Jesus' power to heal, set free, even from blindness. Remember, there was no cure for blindness in their culture, and he heard that this miracle worker actually has that power. God has the power to cure blindness, and God has the power to cure whatever blindness we have. I'm gonna say that again. God has the power to cure whatever blindness you and I have right now. And we need to remember that. It's so vital. We, we agree that he has the power. I don't, meet, I don't meet any Christians that disagree in any way that God can't. Like if you're born again, if you love Jesus, if you're a disciple, you're a follower of his, and I ask you, does God have the power to change you? Everybody says, of course he does. Nobody questions God's ability. But do we question his willingness? Nobody questions his power. God is able, but is he willing? Is it his will? Is it what he wants to do? Is it what he's going to do? People do actually question whether or not God is willing. Watchman Nee said in one of his books, "The first step of any deliverance is awareness. We have to be aware why because then we give it to the Lord. We still need God to change." You don't just get saved and walk away and say, I got it from here. No, no, no. It's an abiding relationship where we walk together and we work together and we depend upon the Lord. And so here we have Bartimaeus was aware of his condition, but he's also aware of Jesus' ability to cure what no one else can cure, to do what no one else can do. And so whatever we face, we have to realize that it's going to require faith. Sometimes we have a knee-jerk reaction to bad theology. You've heard that the health and wealth gospel, like name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, whatever. Okay, and so we go, these people are crazy. And, you know, some of them actually are. And they have mansions and they have, and, and, and all of that is detestable as far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned. However, when we look at bad theology, what ends up happening is we throw everything out. And that's actually just as bad. So I've actually heard people teach that, You know, getting healed has nothing to do with your faith. That actually is crazy to say something like that. You know why a person like, and this guy's got like a doctorate degree and all that. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You can say something really dumb. And you can be very well-meaning by doing it. But this is what happens is like, well, it's not about your faith. Getting healed is not about your faith. Yes, it is. It's not all about your faith. See, that's a more accurate statement. It doesn't sell or sound as great, but it's actually true. Jesus would say, your faith. Made you well. So apparently there's something about faith. Now, now we can't equate that to what some crazy people teach. Like they teach if you just have enough faith or what. I don't know what these people do, but I don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction to those people. I don't want to spend my theology trying to correct their theology. I just want to preach the Bible like Pastor Steve Shell did for 27 years. Let's just get to the Word and not worry about what everybody else is doing wrong. Okay, so, so what the Bible says is that there is a measure of faith that each one of us has, and what we put our faith in is very important. And there are different stories in the Scripture to show us there were various levels of faith. And so we want to grow in faith because we want to place all of our faith in Jesus to cure our blindness. Did you know that we can put our faith in other things? We can put our faith in people, we can put our faith in all kinds of other things, and never, ever, ever put our faith in Jesus. All the while, claiming he's a miracle worker, but we haven't pressed in, we haven't prayed, we haven't sought God. Yes, he's a miracle, yes, he's my Savior, but it doesn't mean that we're putting our faith in him just because we know that he can, just because we know that he is able. My question, is he Willing, and are we putting our faith and trust in Him to help us with our blindness? There are scriptures like Mark chapter nine verse seventeen. You see what I might call weak faith, and this is where the Father is asking Jesus on behalf of His Son. He says, "If you can do anything," and Jesus says, "If I can do anything." <laughs> That's my version. If I can do anything, what? <laughs> Jesus, the BIV, the Ben's International Version. He says, if, and Jesus says, if I can, of course I can, and he heals. You see in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, and this is where the leper is asking Jesus to heal him, and he says, he doesn't say, if you're able, he says, if you are willing, are you willing? He knows that he's able, but he says, if you're willing, and Jesus says, I am willing, be healed. And you love how Jesus can just speak, I am willing, be healed, and he was healed. And then there's great faith. This is this development of faith. Mark chapter 5, I've read this story to you before, where the woman with the issue of blood says, if I only touch the hem of his robe, I love her thinking. Don't you love this woman? Oh my gosh. There are heroes of the faith that we want to meet in heaven, and I think she's got to be one of them. She's got, after 12 years of suffering, crazy great faith and she says if I just touch the hem of his robe I can't embrace a rabbi but if I can creep through the crowd and just touch the hem of his robe the anointing might heal me I like that kind of that's great faith ladies and gentlemen that is the kind of faith that God wants to grow in our life if you're not there just ask God to give you more faith or that kind of faith Yeah, and it sounds bad. It's like, Pastor Ben, are you saying I don't have enough faith? No, I'm saying you have someone that will give you what you need. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying based on bad theology. We see different people approach Jesus with different levels of faith. Maybe we're not in the place where it is that we have a blindness. Maybe you've asked God again and again and again to heal your blindness, to do something in your heart, to transform your life, and it wore you down. To the point where you don't think he's going to do that anymore and you stop asking. That happens to us. And what it does is it decreases our, our faith in him and his ability to help us. See, see blind Bartimaeus, it, it, it was all on Jesus. He pushed all the chips into the center. We place our faith... Where we place our faith is of utmost importance. He is willing, he is able, he is present, and there is nothing too big for God. No addiction, no discouragement, no doubt, no pain, no sickness, no lack. There is nothing too big for God. Whatever our blindness is this morning, God is the cure. Jesus is the cure for whatever it is that we face. He doesn't just have an answer. He is the answer. He is always the answer. And we remind each other today that this is actually the truth. The world is seeking every method, every form. We were once. And if you don't know Jesus, maybe you're here and you're seeking. Is is this really true? Does this really happen? Yes, God still is the cure. You're going to hear me for years talk like this. I believe the gospel changes hearts. I believe that he brings us out of our blindness. I don't just label people. I don't have the authority to label you as whatever it is that your behavior suggests. I know that Jesus can take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And if that's not true, then this Bible is not really true. We have to be people of the word that cling to the word, even when it hasn't happened the way that it says we have to war with the word until the word becomes our reality. We do not allow some lesser reality to somehow suggest or say or label us or, or put us into our, the behavior that we are. No, no, no. We have a new identity. All things are new. The Bible continues to prophesy over our development in Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. We need the word of God, we need the spirit of God, and we need the people of God as we grow in Christ. Bartimaeus was aware of Jesus' ability to help him, and he put all of his faith in Jesus. Put all of our faith in Jesus is what we need to do. All of it. All of it. Number three, he was unashamed to ask Jesus for help. He, I love how Bartimaeus shouted out, Jesus, have mercy on me. You know, in the original language, the word shout means Shout. It means yell. It, it, it means yell. It mean, it, it's, the, it's the annoying person. And sometimes in church we're like, oh my gosh, what is, are they singing like that? Well, maybe they don't have a good voice, but they're just singing a little louder. Come on. Sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemy. Come on now. The crowd, maybe even the disciples, rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But what did he do? He yelled a little louder. He yelled a little louder. He's like, I'm not staying where I've been. I've got somewhere else to go and a miracle worker just walked by my way. I've been sitting on the side of the road for far too long. And you're telling me that the cure just walked by? I'm going to scream a little louder. What if the testimony of Northwest Church is that you and I maybe aren't the best people in the world, the best looking, the most disciplined or whatever, but we are a people that learn how to yell a little louder. Maybe that's the testimony of this church, is that we are a people that know what we're not, but we do know that we yell a little louder because we need him a lot more than we did yesterday. It's not just an I'm saved mentality, like I've got every, I've got, I'm great, I'm fine. No, we yell a little. In our blindness, we learn how to cry out to God. What if that's our testimony? Hey, join our family. Join our church. We, we're learning how to yell a little louder because our need is that much greater. What if that's us? What if that's you? You don't have to have it all figured out, look all pretty and handsome on the outside, but you got to know how to yell a little Louder, that's the testimony of the Lord. And I'm not talking about decibel levels, although I might be. <laughs> when you start asking God to help you, there'll be distractions, voices telling you to stop. There'll be voices telling you to calm down. Calm down. Your sin's not that bad. Your blindness isn't that bad. And this is what we do. I got a little bit of criticalness, a little bit of judgmentalism, a little bit of this. A little bit. It's not that bad. And there's worse people in the world, right? No. God wants to work with us. I've told you before, my, one of my definitions of self-righteousness is where we're concerned or overly concerned more about other people's repentance more than our own or what other people are doing or not doing. Just Let's just stop that. Just stop it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, we just get so concerned about, you know, you shouldn't have done that like that. I mean, nobody cares, We should, God, help me. If there's any wicked way in me, it's the humble. Jesus responds to the humble. He he moves. He gives grace to the humble. We want to be like this. There are those voices that will try to calm us down, and and, and some voices will try to get us to look at others instead instead of our own blindness. But I'll tell you what, when we come out of our blindness, the Bible says we can see clearly and then help other people. We can see clearly and then help other people. We will all eventually bow to the voices that we allow. <laughs> so for you right there. We're going to write a little book. We're going to write a little book. There we go. I want it like an app, you know. You just, it's like got my face on it. You're welcome. You're welcome for this. It's got my face so You just press it and like some little thing will come out. We will all eventually bow to the voices. That'd be great. I know it's it's wishful thinking. I know. Sometimes the voice that calls you to quiet down is your own voice, though. I think it's time that we learn to doubt our doubts and reject our rejection, and just move on with the Lord. Lord, where am I blind? Where, where, where am I blind, Lord? I, and be unashamed. I, here's my sense. I actually sense this. Here's a prophecy. This is a prophetic word. I prayed over this. I sense the Lord's going to break a stronghold over, over an issue where you haven't had any freedom and you've just had to live with it. I sense this weekend that the Lord can break a stronghold over your life concerning an issue that you haven't had freedom with. But here's the prophetic provocation you and I have to take a step. God will break the issue. God will break the power of the stronghold, but he requires us to take a step. Today, that might be you come up after the service to receive prayer. It might be that thing that's been nagging you to, to open up with someone so that light is shed on that issue. We can have struggles, but we cannot have secrets. Secrets will erode the very truth of God that we believe so strongly. It will erode God's transformational power, the truth of his transformational power in our life. We can't have secrets. I mean, I will tell you just what I hear as a pastor. I've been doing this probably a lot longer than I should have at my age. But for 18 years, I have been a pastor, and I've only been a Christian for 20, so that's wild. But I have heard confession after confession after confession, and here's what you need to know. There's no shame the struggle is real. We are all walking out life with God. There's sin in this room. I want to just give you a secret. There's a lot of sin in this room. There's a lot of sin in this room. Yeah. Amen. But what is not okay is if we choose to remain blind. Because what that will do, this isn't a guilt trip. This is a reality. What that will do is it will harm everyone around us. And it will start with us. It will harm everyone around us because we will not be the people that God has called us to be to the people around us. That is exactly what will happen. Wherever we're choosing to remain blind, I'm talking about lust, I'm talking about anger, I'm talking about pride, I'm talking about jealousy, I'm talking about materialism, I'm talking about being a disciple of secularism where we'll just listen, oh, I was going to say something, I was going to get really in trouble for that. There should be no greater voice in our life except for the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's above our politics, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm serious. There should be no greater voice in our life than the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have traveled from church to church, from place to place, and I'm telling you, even people that shake their head at that sometimes allow a political voice to have a lot more say than the voice of the Lord. It's truth, and we're about to go into a season, and you're saying, why is he being so political? Because I'm noticing that it is one of the most powerful voices in our world right now. And it is about to get stronger, and what I want to do is calibrate our church, or should I say continue, to make sure that our church is aligned to the voice of the Lord Jesus. I mean, I I just think it's so important where, you know... Every time I say something like this, people think I'm conservative or liberal. It's amazing. You're not going to figure me out because I have nuance. You have to if you're going to follow the scripture. You're going to live in tension. You can't tote party line, ladies and gentlemen. God's going to bring some breakthrough in our lives. When God breaks the shame, we will never be. There's going to come a point where I'm just going to wrap the whole sermon. My oldest son, my oldest son is a rapper, so we're gonna throw a beat behind us. I know some of you get a little offended by that. It's okay. It's okay. You're gonna acclimate. You got years of me, you do. (laughs) You know, you could leave. I don't want you to anybody to leave the church, but I'll tell you, there's the it's better the unfamiliar that you know than the unfamiliar you don't know. I'll tell you something right there. Okay, that's just that's a prophecy for somebody. Number four, and finally he abandoned himself to Jesus' response. Jesus heard the shout of Bartimaeus and he told his disciples to bring him forward. And here's what the Bible says. This is so beautiful. The Bible says that Bartimaeus threw his cloak aside. Did you see that? He threw his cloak aside and then he ran and fell before the feet of Jesus. I want to remind you of what this actually means. A blind person Throwing their cloak aside. Their cloak is their covering in the weather. Their cloak is their pillow for when they sleep because they might not get out of the doorway that they're in right now. They need a guide to get where they're going. Their cloak is something precious. Their cloak is not something that a blind person would just simply throw to the side. When Bartimaeus threw his cloak, he was abandoning himself to Jesus' response. He may not find that cloak again. He's blind. And if he stays blind, he, he may not know where it, where it is. He abandoned himself to Jesus' response. He threw his cloak aside. There's no going back. There's no going back. He threw aside the cloak of comfort because he didn't want to trip on his way to the Savior. See, that thing that was his covering, that thing that was his comfort, might have been the thing that tripped him to getting to Jesus he had, to, he had to throw it aside because getting his blindness healed, regaining his sight was more important than holding on to the things that he thought that he needed. I, I just I just love what this picture does. Jesus didn't say to Bart, Bartimaeus, "Do you do you want to be healed?" He didn't say to him, "Do you want it? Do you want me to heal your blindness?" He did not say, "Do you want me to heal your blindness?" He said to him, "What do we want? What do you want me to do for you?" He did not define. Bartimaeus, by his disability. He did not assume that was the only thing that he wanted. I love that. You know what it says to me is that Jesus, when he looks at us and he asks the question, What do you want me to do for you? He wants us to partner with him. If he's gonna partner with a blind person who clearly needs to regain his sight, and Jesus clearly is the cure and has the cure, if Jesus is gonna ask that man with a physical condition, What do you want? What is it that you want? Speak with your own mouth. Say it yourself. I believe that Jesus still does that today in our lives. What do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want me to do? And then we abandon ourselves to the response of Jesus. We humbly come before him. I, you don't know this about me because most of you don't, haven't known me very long at all, but there was a time where I was about 60 pounds heavier than I am now. Now, I could stand to lose a few, all right? I'm working on it, okay? You can't have... Donuts very often though (laughs) voice of the enemy in my life for sure and legendary donuts is right down the street so whatever But I was like 60 pounds heavier and 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 if you've ever had to lose a pound You can totally appreciate what I'm about to say because I've struggled with weight since I was a kid and I'm I'm not ashamed to talk openly about it and uh, but I just I had gained all this weight. I was in real estate. I was working 60, 80 hours a week like some of us do. And I I gained a lot of weight. I'm eating out, doing all that stuff. And then I realized one day I looked in the mirror. I was like, how did I gain 50, 60 pounds in just a short amount, just 12, 18 months? It just happens. And so all of the clothes, I had to buy new clothes a couple different times. And so I just decided, like, I'm going to I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to, to get slim and in shape and all that. And so I'm a pretty disciplined person when I set my mind on it, I'm, I'm as stubborn as the day is long. You, you, you'll you learn that about me. You back me into a corner, I swing, it's how I am, I'm sorry, God bless you, I love you. <laughs> it's just, God's working on me, he's changing me. I'm not celebrating, I'm just telling you. And so I just got, I got it, so I lost 20 pounds, and then I lost another 20 pounds, and then I lost another 20. So I lost all this all this weight. And there are a few times you have to go into your closet and you look at your wardrobe, you know, and all of the clothes are much bigger, like two sizes too big for me. My pants, my shirts, they're all two sizes too big for me. And for whatever reason, I couldn't get rid of them. You've done this before. You understand. Like you walk through and you, I paid for that. I really like that. I, 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 this is, I, I don't want to get rid of these clothes, right? And so you know you've got to make room for new stuff, but you don't want to get rid of the old because you might go back. And I didn't get rid of the clothes. And then I remember one day I decided I don't want a self-fulfilling prophecy hanging up in my closet. <laughs> so I just, just as stubborn as I am, I went into my closet and I grabbed all those clothes and I got rid of all of them. I didn't burn them. I gave them to, you know, helping hands and the goodwill. I was, you know. But I, you realize there comes a moment where you have to decide you're not going back. I had to decide. It, physically speaking, I'm not going back. I had to make a decision that that required something physical. I'm taking all this stuff and I'm getting rid of it because I'm not going back. Yes. That's what following Jesus is all about. We're not going back. But we need to know we got to keep coming out of our blindness. I even went to the jeweler and because um, my ring wouldn't fit anymore. It just would slide off, fall off or whatever all the time. And so... I couldn't wear a wedding ring, so I took it to the jeweler, and and I said, hey, can you resize this for me? And you know what he said to me? He said, "Uh, you may not want to change the size on this, sir, because uh, you might gain it back. I said, well, I'm not going back. I'm definitely not going back here, sir. Get me a new jeweler. That's actually a fact. I didn't. Didn't go back to him. (laughs) Stubborn, I know, I I know. I've just reminded myself I need to go to him. All right. (laughs) I'm not going back. See, here's the thing. Jesus looks at us and he says, what do you want me to do for you? you? What do you want? What's your answer? What's the answer that you give to Jesus when he looks you in the face and says, what do you want me to do? What's the blindness that you need to give him? And let's not fool ourselves and act like we, we don't have anything to give to him because you know what? That's not true. It's not true. Let's not wake up two, three years and wonder if we've changed at all. Let's give him our blindness. What is your blindness? We come, we give it to Jesus. What do you want me to do? What is your response? Well, here's our first response. I know that I'm not turning back. Amen? Let's start there. And would you stand this morning in the presence of the Lord? What I want to do as we close is I want Jesus to bring us an awareness today of whatever it is that he is speaking to, working on, transforming in our lives. And let's also commit ourselves to working with him and not against him. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you this morning, and we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to be a people that don't turn back, ever. And that while we know in this moment we're not perfect in our sanctification, we know that you're working on us, you're working in us, and you certainly wanna work through us. And we just pray, Lord, that we would not allow any blindness in our life to persist to keep us stuck where we are. I just pray over our church, God, that you would call us out of darkness, call us out of blindness and into your glorious light, one step at a time. And I prophesy over that person today that is facing a stronghold that they have not been able to get freedom in, that thing that has been plaguing them and they have had to just say, well, it is what it is. I prophesy over you right now that God is going to break the power of that stronghold in your life and he calls you today to take a step. He calls you today to take a step. Father, we thank you for your work in our lives. And we come to you humbly asking for you to do more above and beyond what we could ask or think. It might be uncomfortable. It might be difficult. But we don't want to stay where we are. We thank you for Bartimaeus' example. I want to regain my sight. We say to you today, we want to see. In Jesus' name. And God's people would say, Amen. amen. Let me send you out. Don't leave. As you go, be strengthened by God's word, be filled with God's spirit, be mindful of God's voice, be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. God bless you this morning. We have prayer teams available. If you need prayer, come and partner with us in prayer this morning. We're so glad you were able to join us today. We would like you to find out more about Northwest Church by going to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or downloading our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.